Hey guys, thanks for joining us on another episode of the Sass Snack Files. Today, we are going to talk to you about episode 103, The Way Out. This is Chelsea. This is Rebecca. And we are super thrilled to bring you another episode of the Sass Snack Files. Just so you guys know, you can find us on all sorts of platforms now. We are actually officially on Google. We're pretty excited about it. So, if you can't find us on the apps or you don't want to take the time to find us on the apps, you can now just type in the Sassanac files in your Google search engine and it'll pop up with our latest episode. Pretty excited about that. But you can also find us on Spotify, iTunes, CastBox, and our home Podbean. Please leave us reviews. Let us know what you're thinking. And a good five-star rating on iTunes doesn't hurt anything either. <laughs> so without further ado... Let's get into talking about The Way Out. What do you think? I'm excited. We're ready to talk all things Outlander. We're, we've got our notes and we are raring to go. <laughs> yes. And I will say, um, this wasn't a favorite of mine still, but like, it's not a bad one though either. It was more giving us a feel for the, you know, environment again. Yeah, I felt like it was a character building episode and it was setting up kind of, like you said, the environment, the setting. I think this episode had one of my all-time favorite openings for Outlander with sending Claire off to war, walking down the train station platform, the lighting and all the colors. And yes, I just loved it. And the picture that we chose this week for our episode that we're going to be putting on Facebook is a picture from that scene. And I am just super, super excited about it. It's a good picture. And I feel like it was... Good to see Frank and Claire together again. Just a subtle reminder to the audience that, hey, Frank's still there and she still wants to get back to him because we're all into the um, 18th century and so overwhelmed by everything that's happening there that I feel like it's very easy to forget that she does have a life to get back to. Yep, completely agree with you. It's interesting to see kind of how awkward Frank was just a little bit seeing her go to the front lines and him not being able to because he was sent off to go do something else. So like just kind of their discussion, it kind of showed a little bit more who Claire is and she's not going to let anybody tell her what to do. And that's basically what Frank says. He goes, woe to the man who like gets in your way. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And he says, promise you'll come back to me. And she goes, I will come back to you. That stood out to me this time, particularly rewatching it, because it made complete sense. I always just took it as, oh, they're reminding us that Frank's still there. But then when I'm thinking about it, maybe it's Claire's memory and she's thinking about, he says, promise you'll come back to me. And she said, I will. And it's kind of a similar situation that she's in now where she's trying so hard to get back to him. And uh, I found that kind of heartbreaking for the First time. I never really, it didn't really hit me until I was watching it earlier today. I will say there was a line that she said that really just, every time I watch it, it's like a super forced line. It just didn't fit. Or maybe it was just the delivery where she just gets upset because she doesn't want Frank to use the system to get her out of being in the front lines, you know? And then Mm -hmm. she goes, might as well just give up ship and start speaking German. I'm like, it just didn't get delivered well, and it just seemed yeah. super awkward. And I was like, I, felt, I don't know. Yeah, I felt like there was definitely a better way to write that. It didn't seem like something Claire would say. Exactly. It just it didn't work. And maybe that's what Katrina was thinking, too. Because so. <laughs> you, you know, you've seen the actors' facial expressions sometimes, and I'm like, they didn't like that moment either. <laughs> Meryl Davis actually said that that was the most miserable day she's ever had on set because it was absolutely freezing. Like, and Katrina and Tobias had hand warmers and feet warmers stuffed in their shoes. And they said they felt so bad for all the extras because they didn't have anything to keep them warm. But it was like zero degrees outside. It was, it was bitter cold. Maybe that's how that line got delivered. She's like cold and she's trying to. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think of the head fake with Mrs. Fitz after the whole wrote, after the opening credits? I wrote, holy shit, because that still gets me. I'm like, fuck. Like, she just hit her. <laughs> 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 what was happening? I mean, I know it was fake, but man, 
honestly a crazy moment. It was a good ad on the show's part, I thought. It's such a vivid daydream. And just to, like, not even get, like, jerked awake by Mrs. Fitz hitting her, quote-unquote, it just, she was in it. Yeah, I felt like it was a great way to throw it in the audience's face that, look, this is a very different time from your guys' comfy couch in the 21st century. Like, people that talk about these things get accused of witchcraft in the 18th century, and I feel like that was a very good tone setter for the episode, since that is pretty much all the plot is in this episode is witchcraft, superstition, religious ideals, all of that. So I thought that was a very good start to the episode for sure. It freaked a lot of people out when people watched it for the first time. (laughs) Because they're like, what are they doing? They're ruining the show! And then they're like, oh, wait a minute, it's not real. But also, just as a show watcher, I went, what the fuck, Claire, are you doing? (laughs) You don't know her! Oh my god! I, I freaked out the first time I went, oh, oh shit. Okay, so I will say that it got me thinking a lot, like, how much I miss the look, like, the colors of season one. I mean, I mm-hmm. love season four and season five a lot, and then, yeah, season three and season two had, like, certain times where I thought, like, this looks really nice here. Um, certain moments that we'll talk about when we get to those episodes, but I, I miss the coloring of season a lot. The feel of it and the music in that time is just different and again, not in a bad way, it just it's very distinct. So that's what this episode kept making me think about. Yeah, there were a couple of times within this episode primarily when they were in the kitchen, when it was bright stone and everybody's dressed in these muted colors and then you get these beautiful pops of green foliage from the plants and stuff that they're chopping up. And that really stood out to me for the first time. And then again, in Galas's loft area, there were some really nice contrasts with it's painted a nice warm color. And then you've got the fire in the background with the herbs hanging from strings drying out. It was just really gorgeous. They did an amazing job on set decoration in this episode. Speaking of medicine and stuff, (laughs) that's a major theme this episode is learning to bring 20th century medicine into the 18th century without raising suspicion. Hearing her read what was in that book, I'm going, what? (laughs) Like, it's just crazy some of the things people used to think would help, and it doesn't. You know, the bleeding, like, bleed someone out when they're Mm -hmm. sick. I'm like, we sit there going, like, that's dumb, but they really believe that that would help. And, like, nobody knew about washing your hands for a long time, and then they found out, oh, people aren't dying when we clean our hands. Great. Let's keep doing this. Or, like, even in this episode, they're, they're like, you got sick, which means you did something to make God mad. Whatever it is. Like, the, the boy is sick, he's being possessed, which is obviously his fault. Or, like, with Colum, he thought he made God mad, or the devil mad. Yeah, she was going through that box, and I kept thinking, what is the purpose of all of these remedies? Like, powdered human skull? What on earth? Yes! Horse dung? What is horse dung gonna do? Or wood lice? <laughs> Gross! Like, ugh. Make someone puke to get whatever is bothering their stomach, you know? <laughs> and then she's going through all this crap, and Angus is just like, I'm peace now. This is boring as hell. <laughs> so he goes up yeah. in the kitchen and drinks with Rupert, and I can't say I blame him. <laughs> Seems like a better idea, but Angus is like he he is funny. I thought it was hilarious whenever Claire comes up to the kitchen to find Angus and Rupert and they're just drinking their beer. <laughs> and he's like, We're keeping an eye on her, okay? This is our job. And Mrs. Fitz with all the sass is like, Oh, so she's been hiding at the bottom of your mug for the past two hours? Yeah. <laughs> I actually didn't know she said that, so now I know. I don't know why yeah. I never turned on the subtitle. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I just up, stood up and applauded her. I'm like, yes, Mrs. Fitz. This is why I love you. <laughs> and she can get away with talking to them like that because they know she's in, like, mama bear mode. That kind of oh, thing. So they know sure. they can't mess with her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you mess with Mrs. Fitz and you get the McKenzie as a result. 
So this is when Mrs. Fitz's nephew comes mm-hmm. in to the kitchen to let Claire know that Colum needs her. So Claire goes upstairs and <laughs> we see this scene where I just wrote down, oh shit, because Colum was going to kill this guy for having offended him, which I would probably take that offensively as well, somebody doing something that I didn't ask them to do, which was this tailor was making this coat and he went ahead and made the jacket longer and Colum being Colum, which makes sense, like that would be offensive because he didn't ask to make the jacket longer and then he's like, you think I'm embarrassed by my legs? Like, and he's about to kill him and I went, oh shit, like they really just killed anybody. That didn't matter. I'm like, okay, chill Colum, but I get you're upset. Like, I actually understand that. I love the subtext of that. Colum is, you know, standing up for himself and saying, there's nothing for me to be ashamed of. He's saying, if you have a disability or a deformity, you are who you are, and that's nothing to be ashamed of. I like that. And he's a very proud man anyway, so he was not going to let something like that as a player shut him down. Exactly. Um, yep. But we just saw Colin's butt. I was like, is that actually Gary Lewis' butt, or is that somebody else's? Um, <laughs> a butt double? <laughs> I know! Gary Lewis has a butt double. Probably. I mean, if Al Pacino can, why not? Right? <laughs> Lord. Friends reference for any of you that's wondering. <laughs> Joey Tribbiani's ass! <laughs> In the shower. <laughs> it made me write down, honestly, in this moment, like, how honest they are. Because Colin says, what, don't tell me my ass? <laughs> and you t- I know. <laughs> I know. I love Paula. Honestly, like, if anything about this episode, it made me realize how much I hate Dougal and how much I love Colum. Yes, I don't like Dougal. I don't necessarily love Colum. He's just different because he's got his stuff that makes me want to chuck something at him. But he is the better, I would say, of the brothers. Yeah, I just feel like he has... I mean, he has his baggage and he has his sticking points, but I feel like everybody does. I don't know. I definitely like him better than his brother. I will say that. Yeah, I don't think I was commenting on the baggage part. I was just more so he's got, like, his little things where he's trying to be Dougal in a way where they're trying to, like... Oh, really? That's the vibe you get? Yeah, from later on because he really wanted to make it work, yeah, for, like, Jamie and stuff. He wanted things... That's why he acts the way he does towards Jamie column because he gets upset by some stuff because he wanted it to work the way he wanted it to work. Um, it would be interesting to see Colin without his legs being like that because I wonder what kind of person he would be without all that happening and Dougal being out doing his thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. I wrote down, like, the music is just beautiful still. The music's amazing and I love the ribbon in Claire's hair when Oh, yeah, when they were sitting down and the guy is singing for the, for the evening. Uh-huh. Yep, Gwilin. I was going to point out to the listeners that don't know that the Great Hall set for season one was actually the walls are casts of Dune Castle in Scotland. They went to the actual castle and took casts of the walls and made identical walls for the set and it's on a sound stage and i thought that was really freaking cool wow yeah wait and sam hewan said that's like his favorite set they've ever had is the great hall it's a good set it's nice yeah, it i is. can't wait for, for the gathering that'll be a lot yeah yeah for sure full show yeah so what do you want to say about i wanted performance or whatever oh um, yeah So I wrote down poor Leary because I totally get her. There's this boy she really likes and has liked for a really long time who she just wants him to like her back so she's going to try anything. And Jamie's sitting there going like, oh, like, blah, blah, not going to happen because you're a child. And the way he had kind of worded some of the stuff, I really appreciated Claire nudging him because that kind of showed his maturity a little bit. He's such a dude, is what I was thinking. Like, read oh. the subtext, yo. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. I just was like, I get what he's doing, though, because sometimes some girls just need it really more obvious. 
and it's heartbreaking, and it's going to hurt her feelings, but doing it like that was really douchey. So I'm thankful Claire nudged him, because I wanted to, like, smack him upside the head and be like, dude, (laughs) this is a young girl still who likes you. So I just, I was like, good job, Claire, for shoving him, and poor Leary, in that sense, because I totally get her there. In that moment, yep. to have that happen, and then Jamie go like, "Oh, so we're gonna like walk away because he wants to protect Claire from anybody who probably wants to use your inner drunken state." <laughs> but he like hands the cup to Leary and goes, "Here, take care of this." Fuck you, dude! Like, <laughs> don't behave like that. Like, fuck you! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Not Jamie's <laughs> finest moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no. Just wait till we get later. It's not one of his finer moments either. But like, and then this whole moment, him and Claire are talking, and then he's like, "I just wanted to walk you back to your place because you know you're kind of tipsy right now," which I thought was sweet. But like, for him to let her open his shirt, I think he knew something was up with that. Cause you can kind of see it on his face a little bit. Like, why does she need to look at my wound? Because we just had a discussion that she doesn't need to do anything with it right now. And she's like, wait, hold on, before you leave, please let me look at your <laughs> wound here. And then he's, like, kind of going, okay, why does she need to look at it right now? And then the way she's looking at him, I went, are you serious right now, Claire? Come on, girl. <laughs> she's drunk off her ass. He knows that. He's not dumb. He was saving her from embarrassing herself. And so he knows that. And my favorite line of that entire scene was when she's like, are you implying that I'm intoxicated? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'd be impressed if you weren't. Yeah. He was smirking at her and kind of whatever after a second. He could have been like, no, um, we'll wait till tomorrow when you're not feeling this and we'll do that uh, later. I don't know. I didn't really take offense at any of it or like think of it as inappropriate. I thought that I don't know. That's just not the vibe I got. But, yeah, I think that him taking her down to the surgery was well-intentioned and that they were having a good moment, like, building on their friendship. And I really like that. I didn't take that look as him thinking it was inappropriate what she was doing either whenever she, like, wanted to look at his shoulder. I mean, it's no secret that Jamie is into Claire. 100%. 100%. Like, that is 90% of the entire Leary situation with him acting the way that he did because he wants totally. to make it perfectly clear that he's not into Leary, he's into Claire. And, yeah. like, which makes his uh, actions later in the episode a little questionable, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. But as for the entire I, surgery scene, their rapport and everything, and her saying, I'm just, I'm surprised that you didn't just rip the bandage off yourself if it was bothering you, because that is a Jamie thing to do. And him saying, well, I was afraid I'd get my arse sculpted if I touched it. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was cute and playful, and I didn't think that there were any lines crossed in any way. It's actually one of my favorite scenes from season one, so... Those moments were cute. It was more so her wanting to open his shirt in that state. He could have just been like, in my opinion, let's just wait till tomorrow because there's a reason why I brought you back here. So, I did want to mention that before all of that happened with Jamie and Larry and Claire and all of that, that Dougal has this little mini side conversation with Claire where he's like, oh, looks like the feral cat we found on the roads trying to pull in her claws. And I was just like, you've got to be effing kidding me. <laughs> I really don't like you. Just don't like you. That's Isn't me. Graham great? <laughs> he <laughs> is. So he's so wonderful. great. You love to hate him. It's just like, ugh. <laughs> ah, this guy right. again. Graham, who I love. Google is very easy to hate. Exactly. I mean, exactly. There are, like, a few moments later down the line where you kind of feel for him a little bit, but you're still like, man, he just really, like, makes it very clear he's an asshole, so it doesn't take very long to get rid of those feelings. <laughs> like, fuck you, Dougal. Oh, my God. So, Claire and Galus are talking, and I noticed Galus's hair was pretty messy, and I just went, like, what happened from the episode we first saw her in? We, we all had our hair days, you know? We've all had bad hair days. (laughs) thing. I just wonder, I didn't realize her hair was like super curly or anything or just didn't register. Maybe it was uh, 
day. I don't know. But it didn't look like it from how Claire was dressed. So yeah. I don't know why that stuck out to me, but it, it did this episode. <laughs> and I've noticed, I've noticed that multiple other times, too. So I love how Claire's basically like, I'm going to go figure this out. I need to go find out what just happened to this kid, and I'm going to fix this. So she goes off and leaves, you know, and Angus is following her. So they're going into town. How far away are they? How did she even get there that fast? I don't think it's very far from the castle. Okay. That's kind of my geography of the situation. That's how I envision it, that it's not very far from the castle. But I wanted to talk about the conversation that Claire and Galus have in the garden before she kind of decides to, you know, be all Claire and take charge of the situation. Um, Because this is the first, maybe not the first, but the second, third inkling that we get that Galus is kind of... There's something off about her. And she keeps asking Claire about, oh, you don't believe in magic? You don't believe in this, that, or the other? And, well, I believe that there are powers beyond our ten, is how she puts it. And it's just something off. It's almost like she's insinuating something, but she's not going to come right out and say what she's insinuating. Which is why a lot of people that weren't book readers assumed that she was a time traveler. Show watchers, even, were like, "Uh uh-huh. So was that, I want to ask you, was that something that you automatically picked up on? That she was a time traveler? Yes. Yeah, I kind of wondered, you know, this is the episode where we really, as a rewatch situation, is where we're like, oh, crap, totally, the signs were there. When I was first watching it, I was like, what is her deal? She knows something. Because of Mm -hmm. the wording she's saying. So, yeah. Interesting. I just thought she was weird, though, too. (laughs) She is a, she's a very weird individual. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that there, anybody's disagreeing on that. She's super <laughs> So then Claire goes to Mrs. Fitz's sister's house to examine Thomas. What did you have to say about that? Father Bane. Yuck. <laughs> That's exactly what I wrote. You, Father Bane. An excellent actor to make somebody oh. that hated. <laughs> you know? God. He did such a good job. I feel like I've seen that guy in something else before, and I'm just not remembering. He did do a good job. The whole scene made me go, wow, beliefs are crazy. It's just crazy how people get so intense by things. Even Mrs. Fitz being worried about her nephew, you know, and her saying, like, he's even, like, demon-possessed, just, like, made me go, like, if, if something is so ingrained for you for so long, it is kind of scary to try and think something different. Father Bane really bugged me a lot. I just was like, fuck you, dude. I just, I do not have time for you. But yeah, I'm glad we had the same initial thought with that. I don't know that anybody likes Father Bane. I think even his <laughs> own uh, congregation doesn't like Father Bane. <laughs> do you imagine yeah. having somebody that intense like you're going to hell? I don't like the Hellfire and Brimstone approach anyway, and so basically yeah. from square one, he I, he was on my list. I was like, nope. And he's already like, you're a woman. Go away. Ugh. You know, that thing. Like, you're what's wrong with the world, basically. That's how the mindset is anyways. And we find out more about how he thinks later on in the episode. He thinks mm-hmm. women just need everything to be out of them. It's not right. Like, yeah. yeah. That's all <laughs> how I feel about it. Yep. I don't think you're yep. alone in that sentiment. <laughs> no. I just don't like when people behave stupid like that. Like, it's wrong. And what makes it even worse is that he is a man doing this. So, of course, women are going to take issue with that. Because it is mostly the men are saying these things because they're not in their right mindset because it was passed on to them as well. It's irritating. <laughs> yeah. Let's just kill the cycle of now, please. Like, that'd be great. Right. <laughs> so they but, get back to the castle. Certain little, what they call it, loose behavior going on in the alcove. Yeah. Um, between um, Jamie and Leary. What were your thoughts on that? I wrote, what the fuck, Jamie? This is what bugs me about him and what bothered me for a while and why it took me so long to even have the door open to him. I mean, he has a sweet moment. Like, he's a nice guy, and he knows how to behave, and that's why it bothers me, is because Mm -hmm. he knows she doesn't like him, and he decides to 
make out with her. I'm sure she initiated it, maybe. Like, if she had forced herself on him, I feel like he would have probably just kind of went, no, nothing's going to happen. I don't think she forced herself on him. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Um, in this situation, it was him using her, and I didn't like that at all. So that was a really big turnoff. And even watching it now, I just don't like when people use people. Yeah, what was your um, reasoning for thinking he's using her? The way he smirked at Claire. Like, he sees Claire see this, and he doesn't stop Leary. So my thinking is he is using her because Leary clearly likes him. And if he didn't want to lead her on, he would have put an end to that very quickly. So that's my thinking. You're actually using her for the attention she's giving you, and that's not okay. If you really didn't like her, you would stop macking with her or not have started that to begin with. So I see where Leary gets frustrated later. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying her actions are right. What I'm saying is, you do not get to do that to a person. You shouldn't be fucking with people's emotions like that. So, and especially with her being that young, that's a little bit harder. So I totally get where she's coming from, being that younger girl getting hurt, because nobody likes being used. So I can see where she feels used, because Jamie didn't put a stop to it in this moment. And what I didn't like was when he smirked at Clara. That's where I got thrown off. I remember the first time watching this episode going like, how does my friend like him? He is an asshole. Like, I didn't get that at all. So, I don't know. What were your thoughts on it? I am of two minds about it. Because, and I was reading the the Making of Outlander companion today, and they did an interview with Ann Kenny, the writer of this episode. And I found it interesting because she said when she was writing the scene, it was more of a, um, like, I don't think that Jamie intended for anybody to see them together, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, I don't think that he was acting to get attention from anyone else. I think that, yeah, there was probably 100% the appeal of having somebody that's attracted to you. And he's a 22-year-old guy. I mean, yeah, I think we tend to hold Jamie to a higher standard because he does do the right thing so much of the time. Uh, I also yep. think that he's young and he makes mistakes, so that's why I don't really hold it against him. Do I think it was the right decision? Not necessarily. But then again, I am, I'm one of those people that I kind of full-heartedly believe, and the writer said this too, which kind of affirmed my line of thinking, is that if Claire had never been in the picture, like if she hadn't come back through the stones, Jamie probably would have ended up with Leary. And I I have a tendency to believe that just because they're both there. There's obviously some sort of attraction between them. He clearly doesn't feel the way for Leary that he feels for Claire, but obviously their attraction based on something. She is a lot younger than him. She's pretty immature and how she deals with a lot of things and it's hard to be sympathetic towards her later on down the road i i don't know i felt like it was a good little scene to see that a yeah jamie's not perfect (laughs) and b that this is probably his how his life would have been had claire never shown up so i thought it was an interesting juxtaposition for sure i could see them possibly ending up together i could see Mm -hmm. that personally don't think this was a mistake though. I do think every we tend to hold Jamie to a higher standard because he has set the high standard. Well Diana has with how she wrote him. But I don't think it was a mistake what he was doing. He was clearly using her I do agree with you. I don't think he intended anybody to see it. That's partly where maybe the shock was on his face. Because he did freeze there for a second, like, oh Claire's there. And I felt like it was the, the smirk was more of a, oh, she saw us, like, what you gotta do? Like, a shrug, you know? Like, I don't necessarily think that he meant it for her to be like, yeah, be jealous. I think that he just was like, he knew that she wasn't gonna tell anybody, but clearly she caught him. And he just kind of smiled at her to acknowledge the fact that, hey, I know that you you see us right now. Like, I know. Like, we're gonna make eye contact and I'm gonna give you a little smirk because I know that you know that you know. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, you're probably right, honestly. And the writers made an interesting point that, like, because a lot of people took it as, like, him trying to make Claire jealous, I guess. But, um, yeah. the, the writer, when they were doing the interview, she said that 
Jamie, at this point in the story, thinks that Claire's beyond him. That, like, one way or the other, they're not going to end up together. Either she's going to leave or, you know, she's going to marry somebody else that she wouldn't marry him because he's an outlaw. And he's younger than her, and he has nothing to give her. So he's going to take his affection where he can get it. You know, that's kind of how he holds himself, I guess, which is sad. It is sad. That he was put in the position to have to be an outlaw and stuff. It it just sucks. Mm -hmm. This was a moment that I do kind of like in a way, and it just is interesting. So right after Claire sees Jamie kissing Mary, she goes outside and starts crying, which I'm like, girl, you need to let it out. Dougal sees her, tells her, hey, like, if you want to go visit Galus, I'm going tomorrow. It was interesting, her inner dialogue, because, yeah, she says she's not jealous at all, but I do kind of wonder if that was there a little bit, because she does kind of like him-ish, or something's forming. Like, I know their friendship is growing, but there is obviously some kind of connection between her and Jamie. But I do know, like, she genuinely does miss her husband. And that's a big thing for her is physical connection. And she hasn't had that for a while. That voiceover really got me because I get that, you know? You see a couple together that are clearly digging each other. And you're not necessarily jealous of one person or the other for having that person. You're jealous of the fact that they have a a bond and a connection that you don't have. Yeah. Another thing that I found really interesting was when they were eating dinner all there together and Claire's kind of teasing Jamie. Oh, she was being kind of something else interesting. She was. But I get her, though, at the same time. Yeah, Yeah, and then Myrta tells her. He makes the comment, he needs a woman, not a lassie, and Leary will be a lass until she's 50. And I was just like, Myrta already knows that Claire is going to be a good match for Jamie. He knows Jamie well enough, and he's getting the vibes off of Claire already. There's something there, and I appreciate that. Interesting. That is totally not how I took that. I just thought, oh, no, like, he knows Jamie needs a woman. And I think, yeah, he could see that Claire is that. Well, because he tells her, like, and you know full well what a woman is. Yeah, girl. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Yep. Poor Jamie, though, like getting picked on. Right? He's like, what are you what? doing? We're going to make it where I have to marry her and I don't want to. <laughs> right. Goodness. I mean, I feel like Claire. I feel a little embarrassed by my behavior. That's what makes me think maybe a little bit she's thinking that she likes Jamie. And um, it could be that she's starting to develop feelings for him, but she's misconstruing yes. it as missing Frank. I mean, like, it's easy for us to lie to ourselves about stuff like that. She's oh, like, for sure. I have a husband, there's this other really attractive guy, but of course I'm not like, we're just friends yes. and I really miss my husband. That's it. Yep. So Dougal and Claire are going to Galus's place and I thought, man, Graham looks so fly on that horse. He owns it when he's riding a horse. It's just great. I love that little tiny moment of both of them riding into town and there's Google all like, yep, I'm owning this. That horse is gorgeous. Every time I see that dapple gray, I'm just like, oh my god, that horse is so pretty. And that's the horse he has through season two. So just get all the horse porn. (laughs) 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 The horses in this show seriously have such personalities. It is fantastic watching these horses do little things and make it into the show. I don't think that it's spoiling anything by saying that Sam has a horse in season five and he's absolutely gorgeous. It's this big white horse named Pinocchio. Really? (laughs) His name is Pinocchio, yes. And apparently he is not the sharpest tool in the shed. (laughs) You just point him in the direction you want him to go and he'll go, but he doesn't really think. He's a little slow, but yeah, he's the most gorgeous thing. He really does have a beautiful horse in season five. Yes. I think it's the same horse that's in season four, too. It's season four and season five, but I feel like you see a lot more of him in season five. Like, not to get off track or anything, but I felt like I wanted to talk about Pinocchio, so. All the horse porn. 
time. He's really pretty, okay? Mm-hmm. I miss him. And Alright, so we're gonna talk about uh, Claire and Dougal going to Cranesmere. That's what we're gonna talk about. Yes. Claire and Galus are chilling, and this was the moment where their dialogue, you're like, shit. Galus for sure is a time traveler, and Galus uh-huh. for sure knows Claire is a time traveler. It's totally all over the scene. It's just amazing. And she's trying so hard to get her to tell her. Just like, yeah. where are you from? Oh, yeah, you had an interesting childhood. Where'd you grow up? Oh, you're gonna, we're gonna tell each other all of our secrets. Talking about magic and superstition and all of that. She's just throwing it at her as much as she can. Like, trying to tell her that she knows and trying to get her to open up. And she just not, Claire's not happy. Claire just keeps looking at her like, why is she wording it like this? I would be wondering that. I'd be like, oh, you sure. are using specific wording, and I don't know if I can trust you. I wouldn't trust her, personally. Like, no, she's weird. No. I wouldn't trust her. Yeah, exactly. What's even more disturbing is the seductive allure she has over her weird-ass husband. <laughs> That disturbs me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. She set herself up in a pretty good place, though. I thought Galen did good. Um, She married somebody that she wouldn't need to be with. She needed to do what women needed to do, which was get stability, make herself safe. It's very interesting. That was a weird moment, him partying and all that other stuff. That's just Um, what made it gross to me. So this husband of hers is the fiscal for the area, which means that he's basically in charge of determining people's punishment for crimes. And there's this poor little boy who he was just hungry and wanted two bannocks. And now they're thinking about cutting off his hand. Oh, my God. That's terrible. I felt so awful. And Galus manages to talk him down into getting his ear nailed to the pillory and he has to tear himself loose. The punishments back in the day, they're so brutal and extreme. I just, oh man. Yeah, and it's due to Father Bane. Oh, for sure. (laughs) He was sitting there petting that boy's head as he's sitting there waiting to get his ear nailed to the pillory and I'm just like, you disgust me. I almost feel like he's a sadist. That's a good word. Yep, I feel that way about Father Bane. He like he gets kicks and giggles out of other people's pain and is saying it's God's work. That's how yep. I feel about it. And and he loves being right. He loves having control. Just what a dick. Yeah. And then as all that happens, Jamie walks into the room as Galus is trying to get more info from Claire. I'm um, trying to get Claire to talk about her story. And Jamie comes in and I go, hat! <laughs> I said, did anybody else notice that he's dressed exactly like the ghost from 101? Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm actually, like, surprised in that moment that Jamie even helped Claire. I mean, just a little bit, because she was kind of, like, putting him in a weird position there for a second. I mean, obviously, he was going to help her, but I thought, like, for a second, I was actually surprised that you were so forgiving in that moment, I guess. Well, I think Jamie knows that on a lot of levels, Claire was right to give him a hard time about that, because the girl that he was making out with in the alcove, literally, like, he just took a beating for her at Hall because of loose behavior. And now he's making out with her in the alcove? Like, come on. Seriously? What are you doing? Yeah. James Fraser, what yeah. are you doing? Anyway, so I think that he kind of knows, like, yeah, I really shouldn't have done that. I get it. Plus, he really likes Claire. You know, friends can make you mad, but that doesn't mean that you're still not going to help them out when they need it. And this is Jamie. He's easy to forgive. It's like, really, he doesn't hold on to stuff as easily. Let me put it that way. So they're outside, and Claire is just getting all upset, like, wanting to help the boy. And I just find that so interesting. So, again, another confirmation that she is different from other women in this time. Mm-hmm. And um, and he helps her. I just thought that was so cool. I feel like Jamie doesn't like stuff like that, even though he's kind of talking about it as a matter of fact thing, because he's used to it. That's why he's just saying it the way he's saying it. Like, yeah, he's just got to pull himself free. It's no big deal. So 
get the guts to do this. But, like, I don't know if he 100% agrees with that kind of thing. I think in a lot of ways, Jamie is a very forward-thinking character for his time. He's traditional, don't get me. He's a man of his time, but his ideals don't necessarily match up with other people's ideals of that time. Later, like, his ideas on slavery and things like that, like, think of the way that he was treated by the British. Like, it would make sense that he has an adverse reaction to people being treated brutally because of a small mistake, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. it would make sense that he has those kinds of feelings. So, they pull the boy free, and... Yeah. Did you write this line down, too? I don't want to say it, though, because it's my quote of the episode. So, you want me to just leave it so you can say it later? Everybody, yeah, everybody knows what we're talking about. But, yeah, the conversation before they go to the curb. Yes. I was just like, oh, I love you. And then Um, they go to the black curb. And I absolutely love this exchange of dialogue between Jamie and Claire. It's pretty much the first... Actually, I think it is the first time that they're completely alone with each other. Um, yeah. Besides, like, there, there's nobody around. They've always been in the castle or in the surgery or on a horse in the middle of a group of guys or whatever. But this is the, the first. Rupert was there, though, kind of. And Alec was there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like this is probably the first time that they've been alone, alone, with nobody within hearing distance. And it's a great conversation. We really get some backstory on Jamie. We learn that he's an educated man. Like, he knows, he speaks (laughs) several languages. He had a tutor, all of this stuff. But he's also like, I'm also a Highlander, and I don't believe making fun of old Nick and his kirkyard is a good idea and crosses himself. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I love that he even pinpoints that he may not have been as educated as Claire, but he has been educated. So he knows she's an intellectual woman. Again, this scene confirmed how different he is from everybody else in his time. Like you had said, he is an educated man, but he also crosses himself because he kind of doesn't want to upset the spirit. So (laughs) (laughs) So I love that line when he says, I'm an educated man, mistress, if I may be so bold. Like, that cracks me up every time. I'm like, yeah, you're allowed to talk about how educated you are. It's so funny, the thought processes with that back then. It's interesting. It also amazes me how... No, he's just such an honest person. Like, he's just telling her, yeah, well, we used to come up here when I was a kid, and I never got sick. Like, he's just telling her his whole life story, (laughs) which helps her ultimately to solve the mystery of what's making Thomas sick. It just baffles me how open he is with her. It's like, yeah, just ask me anything you want to know, except my last name, because I'm not telling you that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is interesting. I will tell you how I grew up, all this stuff, but you can't know my name. Exactly. (laughs) It, It is true. He really just dumps it all out for her. It's like, Jamie, learn boundaries. It's okay. So, Claire pieces that all together with, like, herb that the kids were taking which is poisoning them and Claire goes to help and I'm super proud of Mrs. Fitz for yelling at Father Bane like that because that took a lot of guts for her. Like she says, this is my father's house and it was given to my sister get out. <laughs> like, you know, so proud of her. I'm so proud that like, you know, she knew she could say that with Claire there. Father Bane was such a turd. He grabs Claire after Mrs. Fitz tells her, go ahead and send the boy. Father Bane goes, I smell the vapors of hell on you. Oh, my <laughs> God. That was a little bit overdone. I thought it was fine, actually, compared to the first scene with Claire saying what she said to Frank. Like, I thought that was fine. Really? Um, I yeah, thought that I was... the vapors of hell line was way cheesier than the other one. Uh. Well, I've actually heard people say stuff like this to people before. This whole scene yeah. made me really just think about, and I might be getting into touchy ground here, but how many religious things and superstitious events can really be explained by science, but there's like that mental barrier there that they're like, no, nope, nope, that's God's work. Actually not, but okay. 
whatever. <laughs> and yeah. I, I felt like that was really on display in this episode. It's like, I mean, today people can be religious depending on your sect or what religion you were brought up in, etc. In the 18th century, religion was everything. They used that to explain everything. And we saw that in this episode. And I feel like that was extremely important to note. This episode was kind of a departure from the books in a lot of ways, but I felt like it was massively important in terms of understanding the characters that we're dealing with and the setting of the story. Because otherwise, the viewers are left with, why doesn't Claire just come out and say that she's a time traveler? You know, it doesn't necessarily click with the audience unless it's thrown in their face that, no, like, she'd be burned as a witch if she came out and did that because X, Y, and Z. As a show watcher, I thought it was pretty logical for her not to tell them, just in general. Like, how yeah. could you tell somebody you're a time traveler? I just, that just seemed logical to me. Yeah, don't tell anybody that. But I thought, I do think you're correct in saying that just it's setting up certain events later on. It would make sense why people would think she's a witch or that she, like, even Mrs. Fitz looking at her like, you're a jeweler then. Yeah. So you know if Jamie was going to get, you know, a fever or whatever. So she knows something is up with Claire and trusted her enough to help her nephew, you know. Um, yeah. Claire still wasn't sure because she even says it in her inner dialogue, like, I hope I gave him the right amount to evaporate this thing from his system. So, like, she was taking a guess to, like, what if the kid had died? Right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Then she would have been blamed for killing him. Yeah. Yep, and then Colin would have not had a problem letting her, you know, like, okay, yeah, you guys can deal with her however you're going to deal with her. The writers, when they were coming up with this episode, they wanted to really showcase the religious and superstitious aspect of the world that Claire is in. That was the point of this episode for them, but there was a lot of back and forth about how they were going to approach it and I think they hit the nail on the head with the boys eating the lily of the valley and like being poisoned I thought that was a very yeah. clever approach to it exactly sometimes things are just logical if you just look at them possibly having eaten something that looks familiar to something they could mm -hmm. eat this would all be done it's not a demon possession here everybody calm the fuck down <laughs> like it's not God's work either so stop saying that it was very interesting seeing Colum kind of cross himself too when he was talking about the little boy being sick I thought they did this very well I agree with you they they okay. did it perfectly the next scene is and you can correct me if I'm wrong it's where Jamie and Claire are talking and he's like you know brushing the horse I love how logical Jamie is about stuff like explaining things to Claire he explains it in a clear way for her to understand because he knows she's not used to where he's at and I, I really like that I like how just logical he is and knows how to uh, explain it to her so that way she kind of calms down a little bit because he knows she has a justice button he's very good with his words he has an internal dialogue you can see it but he thinks carefully about what he says before he says it so that what comes out of his mouth is what he intends to say which i really like about his character i'm definitely not good at that i'm trying but i it doesn't yeah work. the irony of that entire this entire episode is that yes she's now earned column's trust but she's ensured her imprisonment as well and the one thing that she thought, like this episode is titled The Way Out. The one thing that she thought was her way out is actually the chain around her ankle keeping her from going anywhere, which sucks. Yeah, yeah it sucks. <laughs> Poor Claire. <laughs> Ugh. She didn't dig herself into a hole with that whole thing. She's just using her gift because Colin saw it. Yeah, and so this episode ends on a interesting note. They're back in the hall. They're listening to Willem again. And the song is supposedly like a folktale or fiction. But it sounds like it rings a bell with Claire. Can we first talk about how Jamie tries to get her attention? And he oh says, like, God. I almost really injured my arm. I was like, you're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants her attention so bad. 
It really shows his age there. Like, hey, Carter, hi, we're Carter. By the way, I love you. um, Tell me you love me, too. (laughs) But yes, fast forward to the song and Jamie telling her what's up, which I'm super thankful he tells her what he's saying. I Um, love that, that he translates for her. Yes, that was fantastic for me. Yep. That was a very hopeful song. That's what I wrote down. Like, for Claire to feel like she needed to give up because she wasn't even going to go. Like, her inner dialogue was saying, I was just going to stay in my quarters and not even show up. And then she felt like she couldn't be alone with her thoughts. So she shows up. And Jamie's telling her what's going on. And I feel hopeful, too. I just, I thought, like, what a nice song. But, like, what a crazy ending, though, for her to be like, no, I have to leave. (laughs) Like, fuck. Yeah. I would hate to have to wait a week. <laughs> Time for Plan B. Stay tuned for next week. Okay. I mean, I'm sure. How does Jamie not kind of notice something is up with her? At least because he's looking at her for like a second, and yeah, I mean, he's just not thinking anything of it as he's telling her the story. Like he just is taking it as a story, and for that specific story to have been passed on for so long, I, my question was folk tale or true story, like. What does everybody else think? Obviously, Claire knows that it's probably a true story because this same thing happened to her. But yep. how do how do others view it in this world of superstition? That's very interesting. Yep. Yeah, I'm wondering what Jamie thinks about it. Can I put my vote in the air? So Stephanie Meyer is coming out with Midnight Sun, which for those of you oh. Twilight geeks out there like us, is ah. Twilight from <laughs> Edward's perspective. But, I know. but can I put a vote in to get Outlander from Jamie's perspective? Because that's a book I would read. I want to know. We need to start a petition. I want yes, Outlander from um, Jamie's perspective. <laughs> yep. And we'll just okay. title it, I Want to Know. That's what the petition will be. We can call it Inlander. Inlander? <laughs> <laughs> she's intoxicated, I was like, that's just really nice. That makes me more attracted to him. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's what I want to clear up with that. I don't think that was a problem. My issue was letting her open his shirt after all that other stuff. That's where where I'm a little on an if. That whole dialogue before that was super cute. All that stuff, I completely agree with you. And him escorting her into her room. I love that, that he's looking out So you just took issue with intoxicated Claire pulling his shirt open to look at his shoulder. Yeah, because he knew she was an intoxicated person. Like, come on. Like, of course not he knew. Right now, so. Of course he knew. So that's my thing. That's why I'm like, dude, just leave. And her look, the look on her face was saying everything. Like, dab on your neck. <laughs> well, and I also uh, feel like if she had tried to kiss him or something, he probably would have stopped her. But it didn't totally. get that far. So no, that I can appreciate, I guess. Yeah, I agree with you there. I don't think he would have kissed her while she was intoxicated either, as we know from future episodes. But I want to know your best performance of the episode. I had a tie, if those were allowed. <laughs> So, how about we do an honorable mention with the other? Okay. We have an extra. Okay. So, Lada Verbeek, who plays Galus, was my performance of the episode. 
I felt like she plays weird really well. You just know something's up with that character, but you can't really put your finger on it. And to keep us guessing like that and, like, not explicitly come out and say what's going on, but you just know something's off, I feel like she walks that line very well and just puts off all the vibes. So she got a performance of the episode for me. Interesting. Who was your honorable mention? I hate even calling it this because you know how I feel about it. But Sam Hewen, I guess, is my honorable mention, but not really because I love Sam Hewen. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Hewen, you're uh, not my second favorite, I promise. No, you know what it is? He's just the best every time he's on screen I or know. in an episode. He, he's, he's just automatically the best performance. Let's be really honest. So is Richard Wright gets when we get there. I mean, I would even say Graham as well is just all the time, just automatically. Yeah, not to say that I don't like Sam Hewitt every time he's on the screen, because I think he's astronomically talented, like, out of this world, amazing. But a lot of Verbi, I thought, deserved being mentioned in this category, because I felt like she did an amazing job with this episode. She did do a good job. Mine was Father Bane, actually, the guy who plays him. He just did such a good job. There was, like, no other choice to me personally. I was for me, personally. I was just like, fuck you, dude. Father Rain is the best performance because, like, he just, it just riles me up. So every time I see his face, I'm like, ugh. I almost put him down, but I did Dougal last week. So I was like, I can't do a villain two weeks in a row. I gotta give somebody else credit. I'm just telling Um, you this is my internal dialogue this week. On why, but I'm glad I didn't put Father Bane because you did. That's good. We're spreading the love around. Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. I guess he's no. I We're yes. spreading the love for the actors because yes, the actors go. are the reason that we have these emotions evoked in us. Yes. There. Favorite quote, Chelsea? Do you want to go first? Sure, because everybody knows what my favorite quote of the episode is. Actually, I'm kind of curious what you're going to say because. I thought I it's knew that you said something Yeah, you threw me off for a sec. So. Okay, Go so ahead. my favorite quote is, you wouldn't expect me to be less bold than a wee sassenack lassie now, would you? That's my quote <laughs> of the episode. Okay. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to say when, so when she faints, and this line always mm-hmm. cracks me up, is when mm-hmm. he goes, she doesn't like the sight of blood. <laughs> oh, but she's a healer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but that wasn't my favorite line. So my favorite line was when Colin actually says, don't tell me my ass offends you too. Yeah, that was a good one. My honorable mention was, I'm an educated man, mistress, if I may be so bold. I loved that line as well. Yes, my honorable mention was, a man's beliefs are how he makes sense of life and death. Take that away and what do you have left? See, he's so good at explaining stuff. So that brings us to the end of our episode analysis for The Way Out. So now we transition into a super fun part of the episode called The Sassanac Files Recommends, where we discuss what we've been up to this week, what we've been watching, what we've been listening to, what we've been reading, anything that catches our eye that we want to talk to you guys about. So, Rebecca, did you have anything this week that you wanted to let people know about? Yes. But it wasn't anything I watched this week, so I'm a bit cheating. It's so not cheating. I want anything entertainment-wise, <laughs> it's fair game. Um, I want to tell people about the movie The Prestige, because I know there are a lot of people who probably haven't seen it. It's a movie that came out in either 2005 or 2006, and it has Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman in it. It is freaking fantastic. It's a Christopher Nolan film, and if you don't know who that is, he's the director of the Dark Knight trilogy, the Batman movies with Christian Bale. So I want to recommend that movie because it is literally, like, my top five, most likely. So um, I just love it. And every time you watch it, you find something new. It's good. It is bloody fantastic. (laughs) What about you? I've been watching The Medici on Netflix, and holy smokes, peeps, you gotta go check it out. If you like historical fiction, which 
again, since you're watching Outlander, I'm assuming you like historical fiction. You need to check out Medici on Netflix. It's about the Medici family and their rise to power in Florence in the 15th and 16th century. It is fantastic. Highly recommend. Political intrigue, drama, romance, the whole nine yards. You're going to love it. It's on my list, so um, I'm pretty excited. Yes, it's amazing. All right, you ready to wrap this thing up? Yes. Go for it. Join us next week when we talk one of my favorite episodes, The Gathering. Yeah, guys, make sure to check us out on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Please feel free to interact with us. We love talking to you guys. Let us know what you think about the newest episode. Also, if you have any questions for us that you want us to address in our next episode, feel free to reach out to us on social media or you can email us at thesassanacfiles at gmail.com. Have a good week, guys. Until next time. Bye. Bye.